0: Hi, everybody. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics. This is the podcast where Mike and I watch movies separately, movies that we've seen before, movies that we're seeing for the first time. But the premise is we watch them separately and we talk about them on the show for the first time.
1: In honor of Memorial Day, and we just passed the anniversary of D-Day, we're doing 1998 Saving Private Ryan, directed by Steven Spielberg, executive produced and starring Tom Hanks.
0: So this is a film that obviously we had seen many times before. Memorial Day was approaching. We said, "Let's watch this. Let's come on and do the show again." So we know that we're late. Memorial Day and the and the seventy seventh anniversary of D Day has already passed. But this is certainly a, a movie that's that, that's good for all seasons. So I want to start, Mike, by we always talk about our opening our opening um, impressions about the whole film in the first segment. And of course, everybody knows this for the D-Day segment. Everybody's in the opening segment. And I'm going to hold something up, and the people just listening, Mike and I are in Zoom right now, but I'm going to hold up something, Mike, and I want you to tell everyone at home what this is.
1: It's your uh, edition of Axis and Allies D-Day.
0: Yes, it's the D-Day edition of Axis and Allies. Now, I'm holding this up because the first time I ever played this game with one of my sons, this was years and years ago, He he was quite, quite younger. We were going through the rules. The rules are very complicated. I'm sure you've played Axis and allies in some form before, right? The rules for this are very complicated. We get done and we start playing it. At one point, my son looks at me. I was the Germans and he was the allies. And he said to me, wait a minute, wait a minute. This game's way easier to win if you're the Germans. And I paused and said, that's right (laughs) exactly and it dawned on him it was a great moment i remember what it dawned on him he said oh and i think the opening of this film does the same thing it gives you that sense i think that the opening um, d-day segment is justly famous i remember when this came out in the movie theaters and people were telling me like dan you have to see this you won't even believe there's a movie after the opening sequence which is true that's still true and the thing that's great about the opening i think is that it does what only a movie can do um you can read books about d-day get a sense of like the pressures that were on individual people what was at stake uh, you can learn about the strategies you can watch veterans talk about it and that's very moving too in a different way you can um play a strategy game and kind of get a sense of like you know how complicated the decisions were obviously on a very very you know uh, um, scaled down level you can read a fictional account right that, get, that uses imaginative language but only a film can do what this film does and and, and that's was my experience of watching it again especially the opening segment is only a movie can do this
1: yeah, I, I remember um even being a kid reading uh the beginning of say Slaughterhouse Five or something where Kurt Vonnegut goes on his on his preface about how uh the wife of one of his buddies berates him, you know, because the 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 war's full of children and he's gonna write some book uh full of war heroes. And I think that the World War II movies that exist only exist on really the polar ends of the spectrum. It's either uh, entirely glorious uh, or it's uh, entirely disillusioned, you you could say. And I think that the the amazing thing about this movie is the way that it blends uh, those two responses uh, to to war. It's certainly a it's certainly a glorious movie, and it has uh, it has certain uh, patriotic pathos, I guess would be sure. the right way to, right way to say it. Generational pathos, uh, but this is you would not wish yourself in any one of those boats as the boats start to approach the beach and certainly not in the boats in the front
0: right but you would certainly wish yourself to be as good a man as miller
1: yes and to that, be as so brave as miller that's that's a very intricate balance it seems to me a ve- the the complexity in this film is not necessarily in its plot or in its characterization it's something in the moral balance of the film wherein the viewer can never really project themselves uh, into the position of one the, of one of the soldiers, but at the same time might want to.
0: Yeah, right. I, from the safety of your theater seat, and it's great how it takes like the, you know it takes like this macro version. Well, it takes you the macro version of the war, which we don't see the entire war. Then it scales it down a little to you just get June sixth, and then it scales down to even further where you get you literally get the car riding through the amber waves of grain up to ryan's mother and then you get to this one person where they say you know um it, you know you have to choose the mission over the man and then the guy says well the mission is the man so you're right that it's it's very intricate on on and how it, it manipulates you and i use that word in a in a uh, in an honorific sense because i think you're it's well it's good manipulation how into, into considering the war from all these different angles
1: okay so you know how this works in part two we talk about our favorite scenes or key scenes in the movie that really hold the film together Dan, why don't you go
0: first? So this is really, uh, of course, difficult to do because this is a film where you literally can just randomize a a moment and and talk about how it represents the film. And I had so many candidates, but I wanted to take one that that really grabbed me this time. And this was a moment when Wade, remember Wade is the medic, and and he's telling the story about how his mother would work these really long hours and she would come home and she just wanted to check up on him. And he says uh, at one point, she stood in the doorway looking at me and I just kept my eyes shut. And I know she just wanted to find out about my day, that she came home early just to talk to me. And I still wouldn't move. I would still pretend just to be asleep. I don't know why I did that. And I think of, of you know, all the all the great poignant movies in the film, like we'll talk about at the end, certainly when, when Miller has Earned This, and when you get the adult, um, the, the old Orion, of all these poignant moments, that one really struck me because it seems so believable. He still feels guilty about it why is he talking about it now right like so what do you make of that like why Why is he thinking about this now like
1: the connection that i made first as a viewer uh is from the first-hand accounts of the people that survived d-day um is, is the the people screaming for their mother and uh the way that the wounded people scream for their mother and of course on the on the beach scene yeah. as miller makes his way up the beach that's what you hear over and over and over um is, is people screaming for their mother and that's um that has to do of course um with the ignominy of death and, and how infantilized you are, how powerless these these wounded people are as they're dying. But I think also uh, the reason that that moment that you just talked about encapsulates the theme of the film as a whole is because you can't lose the investigation of what it means to be a human just because we're in a time of war. Yeah, I mean, you, you could imagine that the attitude is all other things must be suspended until this conflict is over, when in fact the conflict is for the definition of what is a man? You know, in yeah. fact, you can, you can think about them trying to liberate Europe and what's going on in Europe. You can think about even the title of the book, uh, Is This a Man? The famous uh, Holocaust narrative. Um, and I think that, that that's one of the things that this movie does really well, is you can think about it limiting itself as what is the experience of a soldier, but more it's, it's what is the experience of a human being in extremis what if this was the last day that you had to live what would you think about and you might think about your your regrets
0: yeah and you would still and that's that's exactly what i thought is that when you're surrounded by this much death it, you you could go cosmic you could think about the meaning of the universe you could think about all these great philosophical questions like how could god allow such suffering why why has free will destined us to 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 try to kill each other but he still feels guilty about, about something that's very innocent, it wasn't an evil thing he did. It was just a stupid thing a kid did, but he still feels guilty about that. it's still it's still like um a, a moral rock in his shoe that he can't shake, and that the closer you get to death and the more you're reminded of how how close you are to death, you know the more you start to regret these little moments. And I just thought that was like so perfectly balanced with with the fate of Europe.
1: Yeah, and I, I my moment is that is the scene where Melch dies. So he he and his buddy are holed up in the house, and they shoot through the hallway, and the Germans shoot back through the hallway. His, his buddy is hit, um, and he ends up um, face-to-face and then hand-to-hand uh, with the German. He pulls out his bayonet, and it looks temporarily like he has the advantage, and it's going to be one of those scenes. And, of course, you know how it ends. He sure. rolls over. He's on his back, and then the knife is coming down. And the German tells him in German, if you, if you give up now, you're going to make it easier on both of us. Don't, you know, don't fight. And really you can see all the little emotions pass through the guy as the knife is coming down. So he's, you know, at first he's just totally in denial that it's happening. And then he starts to bargain with the guy and he says, wait, 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 And then you can see he totally, he accepts what happens. And it's just um, to me, there's a, there's obviously a lot of death in this movie. There's a lot of um, sudden explosions. There's a, Ton of gunshots Um, the one guy I forget, I forget the name of the character and of the actor, the guy uh, who shoots the German but he gets shot in the leg and he's out in the middle of the right. street just screaming son of a bitch yeah. and he throws his pistol because he's so mad. Um, Tom but that's a, it's it's an extremely personal way to die it's it's a it's it's an intimate way to die and, of course, the thing of the thing too is um that the film doesn't always make clear is that all death is intimate it's intimate if you're the one getting blown up it's intimate if you're the one getting shot and that's again where the where the screams are coming from
0: yeah and that's great Mike because of like we we said before about how it going from the macro to the micro level right so in that you have you have um the americans and the germans in the beginning right you get the axis and the allies and then you get the german and the american you know right as as micro level as you can get and to his credit you know spielberg doesn't cut away when he says wait 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 and that he, he, you're there with him yeah. to make no, it as like you said intimate
1: He's entirely powerless, and of course, the 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 secret hidden moment in there is, you know, if he had won or if he had gotten the bayonet out, out a second sooner, it would have been the exact same thing, but the other way around. And in fact, you know, we I think a lot of um, Americans watching the watching the film remember that moment because they see an American die at the hands of a German in a in a gruesome way. But you can imagine it would be a very different moment to those same viewers the other way around. And it, until it really doesn't matter at the end which guy's
0: on top. Okay, I'll see you in part three where we talk about the ending.
1: Okay, for our last segment, we like to talk about the ending, uh, the final scenes, a big takeaway, the title, something like that. Dan, why don't you get us going?
0: Well, of course, do you remember the last thing Miller says to Ryan before he dies? Earn this. Earn this. Now, um, now, of course, as you know, that, that has a million and one ways to go wrong. That has a million and one ways to be cringeworthy, you know, for, for his dying words to earn this. When we did our episode on homicide back in season one, I think it was, we talked about how William Macy has the greatest dying words in a movie where he says, hey, Bobby, remember that girl? I don't know really what he's talking about, but it strikes us as so believable. So of course, for somebody dying, you know, to say earn this to this guy that, that all these other people died to save could come across as maudlin or sentimental or preachy, but it doesn't because I think that Spielberg earns it. And I think, you know, what does Spielberg earn in this movie? Um, How about the opening scene where the sniper, you know, shoots the German through the eye, right? That could be out of mission impossible seven or something. Right. But Spielberg earns it. He earns everything that happens in this movie. So when you see the flag in the beginning and the end, I I don't think it's cheap. I don't think it's jingoistic. Like he earns it. Like, what does that flag really mean? And I think that it's, it's to his skill that as soon as I got done watching it again, I thought to myself, he must've known how good this was when it was over. Like he had to have known because I think he earns every emotional reaction, honestly, from the viewers.
1: Well, I think you know the cool thing would be um, would be the single manly tear. You know, and uh, if he had, you know, if he's standing over Miller's grave and he has a single manly tear, I think the whole movie is over. You know, and even if that comes two hours and he's earned everything else, it's it's over. But that's not what happens. The guy yeah. falls to his knees and he weeps like a child, just exactly like the guy, like the guys on the beach screaming and yelling, and then and that's I think what does it for me and why the why the ending is so evocative.
0: And that's great because you remember what he asks his wife.
1: Am I a good man?
0: Yeah, and she and she looks at him, and I love her reaction too because she says, "Like, what are you? Like, what's bringing this on?" And she even looks at the stone and says, "John Miller," which makes me think he's never told her. He never said it. Yeah, she doesn't know. And again, more even more stand up that Ryan was right—that he's never told this story. Like, like you know. I, I go and buy a new stapler and I think it's front page news and I think it's the most exciting thing in the world, right? He's never told anybody about it. And it made me also think when he asks her if I've been a good man, like, how do you live a moral life knowing what you know? Because the film shows you that that a war is a series of moral decisions, right? Like, like, do we kill the prisoners or, or do do we take them do we take the guys prisoners, right? Remember when they first find the machine gun nest and they have the fight, like, do we go around it? And Miller says, Well, no, then we're leaving it for the next guy, right? Um what if him's dying and they say should we give him more morphine and they know he's gonna die anyway but like let's just give him the rest of the morphine. Um, remember when they first find 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 uh, Ryan and what is mm-hmm. what and they say you're coming with us. Remember what Ryan says? No. Yeah. So then and he has a whole argument. He's like, well, no, my brothers are gone. Like, so do you let Ryan stay on the bridge or not? So I love how the movie has all these. A war means you have to make moral decisions all the time, but for for Ryan it never stopped after the war that for the rest of his life he had to keep trying to make moral decisions to 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 make to to live up to what miller died for
1: well two exactly well two things it's it's both um you know of course we we all know the stories both then and now of the guys who either were shell shocked in their generation or had or had ptsd meaning on the on the positive angle you're saying that they never left because they they treat every situation like it's a battlefield situation the negative of course is that we know that a lot of those those people men and women treat every situation like a battle situation it's hard to it's hard to get out they can't they can't escape and they're they're trapped and they need help um you know and so it's and, and that's um what's bought for us who didn't go you know but at the same time even though Ryan goes, you know, that his life is not something that he got for free. It's something that was was bought for him, and that's a very different, uh, yeah. that's a very different level of
0: responsibility to live with. And what does it mean to walk around with that responsibility and know it, like, and 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 to think about how much we take it for granted, and that, and that since he got back, Ryan has never taken it for granted. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about Saving Private Ryan. Again, worth seeing immediately if you haven't seen it in a long time. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MANfilm. You can email us at 15minutefilm at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to see. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: See you next time.